0: Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride, right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And this morning, we have Tea Lover. And Tea Lover, you're in the Northern UK. Boom.
1: I am indeed. I'm I'm in Northern UK in the beautiful Pennines. So uh, we've had a bit of snow this week, Drifter. And so at the moment, as of today, I am just over six weeks sober. Um I am gonna oh, thank you very much. It's a uh, hard fought to put it mildly. yeah um, mildly. <laughs> so yeah, very hard fought six weeks. Um I've probably been trying to get sober properly for just like almost a year, but probably struggling for two years before that. And um as a profession, I'm an osteopath. I'm also a volunteer in Mountain Rescue. Um I'm usually fit and active and get on and do stuff. So you know it's uh alcoholism's kind of affected me with that. But uh yeah, I'm gonna be 40 this year, so hopefully it'll be a, a damn good, damn good last try in my 30s. and um, I think it probably I think it's probably was kind of putting a, bit, a little bit of a a, a pre-something in here to sort of say that you know I think I'm probably a normal alcoholic, but I am probably not what people associate with being an alcoholic in terms of, you know, I'm um, had a, i had ai had a good childhood. I don't have any demons in the cupboard. I was a very middle-class girl. My mum's a doctor. My dad's a nurse. I had loving parents, nice attached house. I had horses, private school, good grades. um you know, everything's always worked out for me. And now I've got two degrees. I'm happily married. I'm a successful business person. Um, I've got a house. I've got a dog. I've got a car, you know, it's, it's not a troll under the bridge story. Everything has gone well for me. I just ended up being an alcoholic <laughs> and having a drinking problem. So, you, you know, you don't have necessarily low moments and stuff like that. It's just it's just happened to me over many, many years. It got me, is the way I describe it. And, you know, I was, you know, with all that happened in my childhood, uh, you know, I think part of it was because we were sort of maybe introduced to alcohol at an early age so you know I was my dad used to drink not an alcoholic drink but you know he he had a drinking club called the Haji Pavlu club so seeing my mum and dad drunk was quite a regular occurrence you know we used to play in beer gardens as kids when the grown-ups were doing the grown-up drinking thing and, um, you know, we would play, I'd play games with my two sisters um, in pubs and around people's houses when, you know, drink was being consumed. And it was quite normal for my parents to sort of have dinner parties. And it was really exciting because the grown would be drinking this stuff and... You know, it, it was it was banned. It was contraband. It we allowed it. But it was kind of seen as this holy grail of, wow, what is it? What is in that glass? And you'd see all the bottles the next morning. And, you know, we'd go, we'd wake up early and we'd go around and sniff it. <laughs> it sounds disgusting. Really? Yeah, we'd wake up the night after mom's had a drink, had, a, had people around for dinner. We would go around and we'd wake up and we'd go and smelling the glasses to see what was in them. And most of the time it was like, oh, disgusting. That's minging. So it wasn't good, but we we're just so, so intrigued by this stuff.
0: So you were young and you were watching the adults um, have a great time. And you're like, well, what is this giving them such a great time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, wow. it, was, it was always used as a, as a positive thing. You know, the grownups are cool. Look at them. They're drinking. They're going to the pub. What's in that glass? It was intriguing. Um, and then I don't know what age I was, but then, you know, me being the eldest, I'm the eldest of three sisters, and, um, you know, my dad was trying to get me to drink stuff. So probably from about the age of eight, I reckon, he was like, oh, try this, try this. And it was, you know, beer, disgusting, wine, minging. Um, but when we went on holiday um, to other countries, you know, they had liqueurs. So Cyprus has got this very sweet orange liqueur called filfa. So, of course, when we went to Cyprus, he tried me with and it was absolutely gorgeous. You know, it's like, oh, this is special. And you feel really you feel part of a grown-up clan having like a little sip of at uh, on holiday. So, you know, it always has this positive connotations. And, you know, our Cypriot friends, they would they would kind of make us special drinks and stuff like that. And eventually, Dad found drinks that we could have at Christmas. It was very sweet stuff, like, I um, don't know if you have this in the States, but it's like Bailey's and Sheridan's, which are really, really super sweet. The cures not very high alcohol content, but really, really sweet so, you know, he would sort of experiment with us as kids and kind of go, oh, try this, girls, try this, try the other one. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it was always kind of, as a kid, it was always kind of a, a fun thing, a right. posh thing, a grown-up thing. So, you know, we were sort of exposed to it from a young age. And I wasn't getting drunk or anything being eight years old, although I did get drunk when I was three, apparently. I nicked one of my parents' cocktails on holiday.
0: You nicked. What's nicked?
1: Um, uh, Nicked in the UK means stole.
0: Oh, you stole it.
1: Sorry, I I drank an entire rum cocktail at three and then passed out.
0: Oh my gosh, you started early too. (laughs)
1: Apparently so. So yeah, I don't know if that was part of the future or not, but that's what (laughs) happened.
0: Well, it it got Um, a grip on you at an early age. It it looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah we sort of we did move um as kids um we did move around a lot so dad would sort of get bored with a job and then we'd move somewhere else um so you know for each stage of my education as a kid I had a different location so we moved around from place to place to place so it was you know new set of friends have to fit in new set of friends have to fit in new set of friends have to fit in um so yeah that was kind of the, the pattern a little bit and I think the first time first time I probably got drunk was about maybe 16, something like that. So I think around this time, Alcopops had come to the UK. I don't know if you had them over there, but around about sort of like 1995 ish, um, these stuff called Alcopops came up and it was basically alcoholic lemonade. So You can guess what target audience that was if you're producing something called alcoholic lemonade.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah. So um, my dad found this hooch stuff. He's like, "This is amazing, kids! Look, it's alcoholic lemonade. Let's try some." And it just tasted like pop. So uh, that became a thing in the house. And the first time we got drunk was at um, a school party. So at this point, about 15, 16, I was short. I was blonde. I wasn't one of the cool ones. Um, I wasn't a nerdy one either. I was kind of a bit of a no man's lander, just kind of hang around with the nerdy kids because they were the nicest. But at this time, all the cool kids are sort of going out and they're, they're going to have parties and they've got boyfriends and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't part of the cool gang and then we got invited to this party and, you know there was alcohol and bloody hell i went for it <laughs> i remember i got so hammered uh hammered means drunk and um, got so hammered that somebody i wanted something to drink i wanted water and i was so wrecked that i didn't realize that what I was actually drinking was neat vodka so i jugged it right back didn't realize it was neat vodka and my dad had to come pick me up and i remember all the word. the only words i could say was a very slurred thank you and uh, I didn't sleep last night I felt rubbish it was a very bad experience I've got many blackouts um, you know it, it was everything bad about drinking all in one night you'd think a girl would learn after the first one yeah um, you'd think <laughs> but you don't well, you don't so, yeah yeah it wasn't a very nice experience um, you know I might have snogged the boy I don't really know I've got a vague memory um see so that's kind of the first time getting drunk um first time i got drunk in a pub was with my dad and my uncle um and that was another first that was first time but getting so hammered the room span and i threw up in my aunt's house didn't even get to the toilet and nobody said anything it was like oh you know you've been to the pub it's all right it, it was it was condoned i think i was about 16 again so you know two years under the uk drinking age Um, so yeah, so I kind of threw up all over my aunt's toilet's floor and everybody was just laughing it off going, look, she's so drunk. It was no, oh my God, how appalling as a 16 year old drunk in my house. It was, you know, it it was funny. It's accepted, uh, huh? Yeah, completely accepted. And you know, my dad was proud, believe it or not. He was like, oh, look at that's my girl, pissed (laughs) up. (laughs) So I was like, okay, um, so, yeah, so, but I think the first time I ever kind of had a negative, like a a really, really bad experience was the Christmas of my, I think I was six, 16 going on 17. Um, my friends were in Scotland. I was in Kent. I didn't want to move to Kent. Um, Didn't want to at all. I loved it in Scotland and they were up in Scotland. I'd gone down to visit mum and dad and I was just generally hacked off and... Um, My parents had gone to bed. My dad had given me a cider and some Sheridans. It was New Year's Eve and I decided to stay up and I hit their drinks cabinet hard. He's got over 30 bottles of whiskey in that cabinet and I had a shot of everything. Um, I don't remember closing the cabinet or going to bed. So this is like my first proper blackout at age 16 and my first solo drinking episode as well at age 16. So I had a thing of everything and I woke up in my bed with sick everywhere my mum standing over me with a glass of water looking really worried wondering what had happened to me she thought I just got really poorly and it took me 10 years to tell her that actually what I'd done was um give myself my first episode of alcohol poisoning wow so that was uh, that was good <laughs> um so yeah so then it kind of did it change a little bit so you know, you turn 17, and what do you do when you're 17 in the UK? You go out to the pub and the club with your friends. So, you know, it's normal to kind of sneak into pubs, get a couple of pints or smear or ices or whatever the hell it was. usually something disgusting and sweet. Um, and then, you know, sneak into clubs. You know, I made fake IDs, for God's sake. I was part of the art department at Cleveland University. <laughs> there isn't a Cleveland University. I made it up.
0: Oh, yeah, that's dressed up.
1: Yeah, honestly, um, this university didn't exist, but I had a library card that had my date of birth on it. Um, and yeah, I would just, you know, show this thing. And it was completely fake. It, it, was, it was awful. You know, we'd dress up, we'd flirt with bouncers to get in. It, oh, it was cringe fest, absolute cringe fest. Um, but, you know, it, it was normal to just sort of go out and it, it was almost like a badge of honour to be absolutely hanging the next day and still go to school. You know, me and my friend that went out, with would wake up in her bed. It was normal to kind of share a bed. So it's like wake up in her bed and just go, oh, I feel terrible. This is disgusting. Um, And yeah, you sort of end up that. And, you know, the rougher you felt, the worse the hangover, the more drunk you got, the the kind of cooler it was. It's just wrong. (laughs) Um, So that sort of continued for a little bit. Um, But yeah, when I, I needed to save some money so when I was finished school and wanted to go to America actually um, I decided to save some money so I took a year off so I just didn't drink for a year I drove everybody everywhere um, and how old were you then I think I was 18 going on 19 I think um so, I was so like, you've I been drinking
0: a lot. lot from 16 on you were drinking a lot
1: yeah 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 but it wasn't it was always in company apart from that one episode it was usually um, socially so you know it was it was a weekend with dads as a treat it was going out with a friend in canterbury it was it, you know it was all kind of normal for uk drinking to kind of go out and get completely rat assed on a friday saturday night and um, you know it was just it's what everybody did um i think as well i i did probably drink more than most of my friends um i probably did start the decline of the stop button. Um, you know if people you know I didn't know when to stop I never did I never have done so you know I was usually the one that was more drunk than anybody else which is probably why I spent more money which is probably why I decided to stop drinking to save money (laughs) Uh... so you know I was always the one that kind of had a reputation for being the most drunk the most hungover the most passed out I was but it was a
0: badge of honor though for you kind of
1: was You know, the sillier you were, the stupider stuff you did, the you know, it the the what the the more kind of respected you were almost. It was, you know, they weren't bad people, don't get me wrong. They're not like they're not horrible people. They were all the same as me. They were in the same school, they had the same background. It, you know, it was just normal. Um so yeah, so then took a year off, and that was fine, didn't miss it, coped without. No problem whatsoever. I even said I love you to somebody the first time, completely stone cold sober, and they were hammered. They don't even don't even know if they remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in a pub, in a pub as well. So, uh, so yeah. So then um, went to uni. So I went to um, a university in England um, in the Midlands that's very renowned for having a very strong drinking culture. Um, I didn't choose it for that reason. It just I chose it because it had the degree I wanted to do, but it had an incredibly strong drinking culture. Um, you know, the the rugby team and the hockey team were known for being absolute, you know, in the UK they're called pissettes, just being drunk all the time. And the more radically drunk you were, the stupider the tasks that you did um, at that university, the kind of more, the cooler it was. So, you know, not drinking in the union on a Friday night, it, it was the unclean, unclean, get away so
0: so um, if you didn't drink you were unclean
1: yeah pretty much yeah yeah it was it's that kind it was that kind of culture so if you weren't absolutely out of your face drunk um it was like people would start banging on the bar going consume 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 (laughs) so you were kind of pressured into getting absolutely off your tits (laughs) yeah um, and even you know I started off in the first year I was a really good girl in the first year at uni I hardly drank um, my boyfriend was very controlling um, he, he, he didn't like me going out I didn't want to go out because I was really sad because he wasn't there and then after I had enough of his rubbish um, I dumped him in the second year and then I went absolutely bananasly drunk I was out you know I don't know how I got a degree between my third and second year I was a proper law for students I was out most of the time in my start of my third year I drank um pre-drinks pre-drinking before you go out which is normal at Loughborough you get drunk before you go to the club before to the pub or the club so you pre-drink then you go to a pub for a couple then you go out to a club or the union or something so there's a lot of alcohol consumed and usually you kind of do it only once a week but the first two weeks of my third year I went out every day for two weeks and I made myself really ill Um, and then I carried on drinking and I ended up with pleurisy. So I really had to stop for about three weeks and have three weeks off uni while I recovered. I made myself that poorly. And my, to be honest, my lungs have never recovered. They're still, they're still weak from, from that episode. So yeah, that was the first bit of the health damage from overdoing it.
0: So what did it damage?
1: Um, so pleurisy is an infection of the lining of your lungs. So you've got your lungs. Oh, it were, your and lungs. And then you've got the, yeah. yeah, so it affects his young. so it's an infection of in the lining, so I kind of was coughing a little bit during my two-week bender, um, and then I didn't do anything about it, and the infection that I had actually went into the lining of my lungs, and it's, you know, it's a horrible infection, you know, you can't raise your hand above your, you can't wash your hair, because you can't raise your hand above your, your shoulder to, to put your arms back, because it pulls in the lining of your lungs, you're just bedridden, it's horrible, so yeah. I, I managed to properly break myself through alcohol. <laughs>
0: so that damage um, from then is still with you today
1: yeah yeah they're still a bit weak i can still do stuff with them but they are a bit weaker than they once were gotcha um but yeah so you know during that time lots of you and this was normal student drinking which is a really alarming thing um and when we went out we even did something which is disgusting we um we did this thing called a tactical chunder, which is a lot of the stuff that we drank at uni. It was very fizzy, very sweet. Um, so you would get full quite quickly, kind of like drinking beer, but not. And if you were feeling really, really full and bloaty, but you wanted to carry on drinking, you'd go to the toilet and throw up so that you could actually carry on drinking more. <laughs> so if you're feeling a bit sick, it was quite normal. Um, You know, what am I now, like 20, 22, oh god 20, in 20s early 20s and you're going to the toilet in a bar or a club and you're going to the toilet and all you do is you stand up and you go sorry guys tactical chunder oh, off you go nobody cared wow. sometimes you even have a sometimes you even had somebody in the toilet with you going yeah i need to give it a go me too it, it, wrong
0: <laughs> so you'd go uh get it out of you and go back for more
1: you you didn't see your tummy so you could actually fit more drink in.
0: right right
1: and then you know during this time as well it was um I was drinking to blackout quite frequently and I got a bit of a reputation because I would wake up in somebody else's bed and not necessarily who the hell that person was um it happened about four times but still that's four times too many um so yeah Yeah, that's got to be
0: terrifying waking up who the hell is Mm -hmm. this where the hell am I at
1: yeah, and usually I was still so drunk that I would just kind of like just lie there, just going, eh, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was it was not a good time to be honest. But that was kind of you know the, the definite decline of the uh, of the uh, stop button. That was in the early twenties. Wow. Um, and then then I had to grow up a little. So I moved back to my dad's after uni, and then it was you know so In, what was it like three,
0: three years of college then
1: yeah 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 three years so one year really really well behaved second year a bit dodgy third year off the rails gotcha So yeah so yeah then it was time to kind of go back to parents um, grow up a bit and then it was kind of social social drinking but wasn't necessarily getting Getting drunk, like drunk like that, as often. But if there were opportunities where you could, I definitely went to town on them. So I would definitely, you know, if there if there were opportunities where you, you could get absolutely stooched, wankered off your tits, I would make the most of it. So I was just, you know, using opportunities um, at mum and dad's. You know, using going down to them, sitting in the hot tub you know I could easily put away two bottles three bottles of wine on my own and everybody else would maybe have a glass or two but dad would keep bringing out the wine going over to friends houses there would always be there would always be wine going out for dinner um there would always be wine um you know so it wasn't necessarily a badge of honor anymore it was just oh you know let's crack open a bottle let's have another bottle of wine and stuff like that so you know it was kind of drinking socially and drinking normally but drinking more than I should have done and at some point it started I used to, I started getting annoyed because people weren't drinking as much as I was and I started getting annoyed because they were they wanted to stop and I wanted more but you know it was still it was still normal it was still kind of with people doing nice things um you know all that kind of stuff so it it was I didn't think I had a problem I just every now and then I would have an event or you know going around for someone's for dinner or you know stuff like that and I would just drink more than I should have done and it was a bit of a it was a bit funny to be honest it was like Mel you were a bit drunk last night weren't you and no it wasn't a bad thing it was just an observation so you know I was getting away with it it's it's
0: acceptable up to this time through your whole life it's been a badge of honor and it's just acceptable to to be that way
1: yeah absolutely so you know and everybody the friends that I've got I'm still really good friends with some friends from uni and you know they've all grown up a little bit and you know we still some we used to kind of meet up and it was about you know having a few drinks and it we did do a few things sober but most of the times that we socialize with people um, in the evenings more than anything it would usually revolve around alcohol in the evenings we would do cool stuff in the day so you know you would go for a walk or you go for a run or you do mountain biking or caving and you know there would always be some kind of alcohol around that you know you'd go you'd land at, I met my husband at the caving club and you know we were both drunk the first time we met <laughs> <laughs> you know and he's he's not a big drinker but there's a huge culture around that where you know you'd sort of go to the caving hut on a friday night land there have a few beers a few more beers a few more beers um and then you end up just kind of waking up next morning feeling a bit rotten um going caving for the day which is a very physical activity um yeah caving, you're bottling, down there yeah it's a physical activity and you're doing it dehydrated with a fuzzy head um and quite honestly sometimes it's quite dangerous you know you think yeah. you've got to be in charge of your ropes and stuff and you know that you don't think about the consequences it was just everybody would go to the pub you'd get drunk you'd wake up in the morning you'd feel a bit rotten you'd get your caving gear on and you'd go and then you repeat the same on Saturday night so you know it got to the point where if I was hung over and not underground it felt weird But it it was the norm. And, you know, it was the same when you had people over or visited friends and stuff like that. You just, you know, it was, you know, alcohol was involved. A big part of it was choosing the nice gin you were going to have before dinner. It was choosing the bottle of fizz that you'd have after the gin it was choosing you know what we're having is it red is it red meat is it white meat and choosing nice wines to go with dinner and you know
0: so you were you were planning wine. you were planning what you were going to drink too
1: oh yeah 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 so you know we'd plan what we're going to drink and this was you know my husband was you know he would do this as well so you know we're sort of happy pull over and we sort of plan plan the alcohol as well as the food um so that was you know, but again, it was reciprocated. We'd go into the people's houses, and they'd do the same. It'd be expected that on arrival, you'd have a gin and tonic. Then you'd have a glass of fizz. Then you'd have wine with dinner. Then you might have um, like dessert wine or port or something afterwards. So it was it was all very normal. It was only when it was only when I started to have a proper problem that the planning became a bit stressful. So you know, I was buying extra bottles of wine in case there wasn't enough. And when i say extra bottles this is like five bottles of wine for one meal plus two bottles of fizz in case there isn't enough this is for four people <laughs> <Golly>. <laughs> so it's like it's not a huge dinner party i was like getting like five bottles of wine two bottles of fizz making sure we had enough tonic water to go with the gin so you know it was this is all quite normal and um, but yeah that this was just sort of what was happening but underneath all of that this something inside me starts to change. And, you know, I've never had a trigger. There's never been a moment where I go, right, this is my trigger. I'm going to drink because I've always been around alcohol. The biggest trigger I have is alcohol is there. That's all I need. You know, if it's there and I want it, I feel, and I just go for it unless I'm really, really careful.
0: So let's talk about this real quick. When, so everything's normal. The alcohol is normal. Um, were you waking up, um, miserable, um, the, what the, the guilt and the shame and how were you waking up in the mornings?
1: Right, this is where the sort of slow decline starts to happen. So when I first started kind of being, Oh, you know, drunk Mel, cause I'm very phasic and we're drinking. So there was this phase of drunk Mel, and it was, you know, I was waking up rotten um, and, <laughs> you know, my drinking started to change and, you know, with all these social events that are very, very, that were normal in my life so that, you know, all of this was normal, but with all these events, so slowly over time it started to change and the guilt started to creep in because I turned into a nasty drunk. It was an ongoing joke among my friends that, you know, oh, there's a bottle of wine open. Who's going to be Mel's victim today, T's victim today? So, you know, there was a, you know, that suddenly started to creep in and I would have somebody and I was viper tongued to that person. And that is not me at all. I was just this horrible person and people were very tolerant of me, but I was nasty. So I then started waking up um, the blackouts became more and more and more. And I was waking up wondering what the hell happened, who was my victim um, did I get away with it? Um, so, so your doctor,
0: Jekyll, Mrs. Hyde?
1: Oh, completely, with bells, on. <laughs> with bells
0: on. Absolutely.
1: I have said things, I have said things, I have been told of things I have said under the influence that I have never even thought on my darkest sober day. Yeah. It's, I am not the person I am when I am drinking, is not the person, is not me that is a horrible nasty person and that is not me the things that person says is just unbelievable I have told my husband um I never wished that I married him um he was the worst thing that ever happened to me and I have never thought that I am happily married I love him to pieces and yet all these horrible things that are not true come out and it's like in in the whatever the latin is you know in venus veritum whatever it is i don't believe that's true i think sometimes you've just got this evil tongue that comes out and it might not be based on truth
0: <laughs> but yeah i was horrible no that alcohol does do that to us and i'm the same way that because i'm not the same person when i drink but, but when i drink no. i'm a bastard so let me yeah. let's do this real quick because i want to break this into sections let me. Let's take a break real quick, and then we're going to come back for section two, and then we're going to start talking about how you started uh, waking up, uh, and this, how you you know started thinking. I guess what was you thinking that you had a problem?
1: And um, I think I probably I remember the day that I woke up with the problem. It was about oh god, probably about three years ago. I think um but yeah I remember it had been after a barbecue I'd had another blackout because I was pretty much drinking the blackout most of the time and by this point I was um I, re- I was drinking like an alcoholic
0: so here we are we're back we had a couple of technical difficulties so we gotta kind of bring this back in and so you were waking up starting to have a little bit of ga- guilt and shame and stuff like that
1: yeah it was it was kind of a bit of a slow burn. So you know I was waking up and not remembering what I did. So you know people I would pretend that I knew what I'd done, but I would try and find out what I'd done. So people were, you know, I sort of people said, sort of, oh you know you're really really drunk Mel, you're really, really drunk. Um, but yeah, I'd wake up, um, sort of feeling really, really guilty, but I didn't know why a lot of the time. I just have this horrible, heavy tummy and just feel really bad about something. Or I'd have like, um, a bit of a glimpse or a blackout and think, I didn't do that. Did I? No, I can't have done that. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. So, you know, you're waking up with this horrible, deep, black, gnawing tummy, wondering, what you've done, you know, who you've hurt, because it was people I was hurting. So, you know, I was saying horrible things, doing horrible things, and just generally not being very nice, like proper, proper Jekyll and Hyde. So it was, you know, it it wasn't a good place to be. And and you knew was, this
0: inside that you were making this transition when you drank, that you were becoming honorary?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it stopped. It was starting at this point, so it was other people were recognizing that it wasn't so fun and we're growing up at this point as well you know I think I'm I think at this point I'm kind of in my 30s so you know nobody's really drinking that much it's more social it's it's less about getting absolutely wasted and more about you know enjoying a glass of wine with dinner but I I was stopping being able to do that I was using social, social things like barbecues, people over, going around to other people's houses. I was using those as an excuse to drink. And I was stopping, looking forward to, oh, we're getting to see so-and-so. It wasn't that. It was becoming, oh, so-and-so is coming over. That means that, you know, that means there's drink. That means I can buy a drink. That means I can get drink. And it was less about... The event and more about that event means there's alcohol. Alcohol means I can drink. And, you know, I am I was getting drunk. So I was losing the ability to stop and getting frustrated if other people didn't want to drink with me. So if the you know, I've got one friend in particular and we didn't speak anymore, not just just through time. But, you know, she has kids. And when we got together, we were absolutely mental um you know every time we drank we'd drink to blackout we'd have like four bottles of wine before four o'clock in the afternoon and you know it was just our way of letting loose and things and you know I was I liked seeing her because she drank um you know there were certain people that coming around for dinner they were big drinkers so I liked it when they came around for dinner because it meant we got to have more alcohol in the house um but the more alcohol in the house the more I drank it and you know these these feelings of sort of feeling a bit helpless and kind of going why did I do that you know I didn't mean to get drunk Um, and yeah I remember the there was sort of this slow steady decline where you know I was pre-drinking before people coming over I was always making sure that I had bottles of things on hand if should we run out, Um, heaven forbid, (laughs) disaster if we run out of alcohol. So, you know, all these things are sort of like going on and the behaviours are changing and, you know, alcohol without me knowing it was getting me. And I didn't recognise the problem. I was just like, you know, I just got a bit drunk on Saturday and offended so-and-so, but they're all right. They'll forgive me. All I need to do is apologise. So I was waking up um, feeling wretched Um, wondering what I'd said, wondering what I did and, you know, just thinking, I was saying a lot of sorries. Um, and a lot of the time I was saying sorries for things I didn't even remember doing or didn't know why I was saying, sorry, I just felt that I had to apologize. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't a very nice place to be. So it was Um, like a,
0: like a burden on your soul kind of. It was a heavy. Having- oh,
1: definitely. It was a. It was you know, it, like I like I said, like alcohol was becoming dark. It wasn't you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a sunny day drinking in a pub with friends. It was, um, go to the local shop, buy two bottles of rosé, sit in the garden by myself and drink to blackout. It was you know, and then not remember, um. And then, you know, it was pre-drinking before people coming over, sneaking back to the house to drink neat gin from bottles of gin.
0: So you were just it consumed was, with...
1: Oh, God, it was it was terrible. Like, it, it was... I look back and, you know, at my worst, and this is probably... There's probably two phases of at my worst. There's the sort of drinking to the point where I recognized as an alcoholic. And at this point I was you know, I was just drinking socially, drinking with friends, pre-drinking, making sure it always had enough, starting to get a little bit cross when people didn't want to drink with me, and you know, occasionally drinking alone um properly to blackout, you know, like a, you know, drinking drinking on Tuesdays after work, drinking Wednesdays because I not have to work. And you know i was i kind of knew there was a bit of an issue but i hadn't woken up to the depth of my issue and i was you know i was waking up on thursday mornings calling in sick because i drank too much to go to work um, i was still drunk so i was calling in sick more often um losing patience because not patience is in patience patients is an actual patient sized treats losing patience because i was calling in sick so often because i was too drunk to go in and I would wake up and go, why did I do that? Why did I drink? I didn't need it, I didn't want it. It was a weekday for God's sake. Why did you start drinking at two o'clock in the afternoon? And all these whys started, uh, started coming in and it's just like, no, you no, know, you can beat this, it's not a problem, you've just got, I called it my bad habit. So you know, when the other half would turn around and say, oh, you, you know, you were really drunk, you were bad yesterday. I just go, no, no, it's just just a bad habit. I can stop any time. So I was in this wonderful place where I was definitely drinking like an alcoholic, you know, normal, I say normal, invented commas, the normal, the muggles. They, you know, they can have an open bottle of wine in the house. They can walk past a gin shelf full of 30 gins, which is what we had. We're very proud of our gin shelf. It was, you know, there were hundreds of pounds worth of gin there. And, you know, people could not notice it and, you know, they can have bottles of wine in the cellar and not notice it. But for me, if it was there, I drank it and, you know, It I had a neon
0: sign on it, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, I would go downstairs to the cellar, open a bottle of wine, and I would keep making excuses to go to the cellar and drink that wine. I would make excuses to go to the kitchen or keep the door closed between the living room so I could walk past the gin shelf, swig neat gin from the gin shelf. And I was still just going, no, no, it's a bad habit. I can stop anytime. And I can't remember. It was when a group of friends, um, I was getting away with it. I was hurting nobody but myself. Um, and we had this barbecue and I didn't remember people turning up. Um, I drank, I pre-drank to the point of blackout before everybody turned up. I prepped all this meal, got all this booze in for everybody. And I remember none of it. Quite common like it wasn't uh, it wasn't abnormal at this point but I just remember waking up on that particular morning it was an August morning it was really sunny outside I felt like crap and I lay there kind of staring out the window in the sunshine and it suddenly dawned on me this isn't normal (laughs) this is uh this is bad you've got a problem and I do what everybody does I went to google and so this is the first I, time
0: in your life right here after that yeah, barbecue is, and yeah. you blacked out and you woke up and this is your first time in your life you realize that you have a problem.
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I all the things I was doing were not normal. And I kind of was just, yes, yeah, fine. I can stop any time. All the rest of it. And, you know, I was kind of OK with drinking too much. I was OK with sneak drinking i didn't drink socially anymore i was now starting to drink by myself um, more and more and more and more and more and more and i was getting sneaky with it um i was lying i was you know i, w- I was i don't remember I was reading weren't you yet. even
0: like filling up the gin bottles with water
1: oh yeah 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 so this is kind of assumed this i actually did that after i realized I as an alcoholic Oh, okay. <laughs> so so this is a funny thing so this is a kind of like dawning realization where one morning I wake up and I'm just going I've got a problem and I don't know what to do with it and I went to I was just like it was almost the way I describe it is when the date that morning actually gave me some peace which is a really odd thing to say because i kind of been running on a treadmill, going nowhere and just drinking, 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 behaviors getting worse and worse and worse. Um, losing myself more and more and more becoming more, more Mr. Hyde than Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jekyll. I was just being consumed by it. And I was just, you know, I, I didn't realize I had a problem, but I just kind of, felt lost. I don't know why, but I was just kind of like on this roller coaster just heading downhill and it was just getting spiraling out of control. And then that morning when I realized I got a problem, it, it was kind of a bit of a piece. It was like, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you, you do. You you're actually, you know, you have got a drinking problem. <laughs> and there was this kind of a bit of a deep breath, like Oh, that's what it is. And then it's the I think once you realize that you've got this problem um, nobody wants it, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. Like you just nobody wants it. Nobody needs it. You do not want this in your life. You know, it's awful. And you're kind of in this horrible phase where you know what you are. And you kind of know at some point you're going to have to give it up, but you don't really want to.
0: <laughs> so you went to Google that morning, right?
1: Yeah. So I Googled, so I got on Google and I Googled alcoholic and it was me, but I did one of these survey things and I was off the scale, um, absolutely off the scale. It was ridiculous. There were, I think, I don't know what the school was, but it was pretty much like you're going to die tomorrow. Um, you know, every behavior, it was, it was bad. So I kind of like ticked every single box on this thing. I was like, yeah, this isn't just a little problem. This is a big problem. Um, and me being me, it was like, right, I've got to fix this. And, but only in a kind of the worst bit, I think and the loneliest bit in the world for anybody that realizes one day, you know I have a drinking problem, call yourself whatever you will you know, bad habit, drinking problem, you know whatever works for you you know, devil on your shoulder, alcoholic voice. The loneliest and worst part for me was knowing that, knowing the road was not going to be an easy one and failing time and time and time again. Like just knowing that you need to, you know, I read, I started off doing, um, you know, right, going to do two glasses and that's it. Can't do that. Going to do no drinking midweek. Never worked. Going to do, right. Just going to drink on Sundays. Oh, sorry, Saturdays. Didn't work. Um, and at this point, um, am I to swear?
0: Yeah, you can swear.
1: Yeah. So at this point, um, I know this now, but I started to develop my fuck it button. So, oh, I, you know, I,
0: Yeah, I want to hear this.
1: <laughs> so at this point, it's like, Uh, you know at this point it's like well I'm not getting anywhere fuck it let's just have a drink and the more I failed the more I kind of relied on the fuck it button to get me out of that situation so you know I was trying everything I was doing you know let's not do this and all I was doing was trying to talk myself out of drinking Um, and that doesn't work Um, you know I was just purely you know Hands on the rails, whole thing on white, on my white knuckle ride, just going, you know, one day at a time, one day at a time. You can do it. You know, try dry January. Load of rubbish, couldn't do it. Stoptober. Load of rubbish, didn't do it. Um, friends had an intervention. So at this point, I was, you know, I wasn't getting away with it. Friends were noticing that I had a problem. Um, every, you know, I went on a holiday with a group of friends, their kids, and I don't remember half of it. I was too drunk in the evenings to remember what I'd done the day of and it was supposed to be fun. And of course, fun for me was drinking. And um, so after that, I was mortified um, that people knew because up to this point, even though I knew I had a problem, it was my problem. I did not want anybody else to know this was about me. I didn't want anyone else to know. Or You know, my husband kept saying, I think you've got a bit of a problem. And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, you've got to tell people. I was like, absolutely not. I'm taking ownership of this, I will fix it, I will do it. It is my problem. This is my issue. And in my head, I was thinking, all right, I'm not going to tell anybody because I can fix this. You know, if I don't tell anybody, I'm going to fix it, and they'll never know. Like nobody will ever know that I ever had a drinking problem because I'm going to fix it. Well, that fell flat in his face. <laughs> so people were starting to guess. Um And I was like, right, I'm going to prove them all wrong.
0: And you're highly educated too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to fix it. I desperately wanted to fix it. Um, And I was just kind of sitting there going, yeah, I just, I need to fix this. What, you know, I am clever. I am educated. I am not stupid. And, you know, I I didn't like the label of alcoholic. I was just like, no, I'm not that. (laughs) And, you know, I was scared of it. Genuinely, I was petrified of it you know you don't you know I'm not I can't be I'm a doctor's daughter I've got two degrees I've got my own business I'm an osteopath I'm successful I can't be this thing I've got to beat it I've got to kick it I've got to I've got to move on so you know having people know oh my god I, I was I took a day off work and I think I was dangerously dehydrated because I think I spent about three days crying <laughs> still drank I was still drinking, but I was like, oh, this is terrible. And it was that horrible cycle of, you know, the FIB. Oh, they know, F it, drink. So off I went. The fuck it button. And, uh, yeah, yeah, push the fuck it button, anything, you know, don't like it, fuck it button. So off I went. And, you know, I was like, right, I'm going to prove them wrong. So I signed up for a half marathon and did that in February and I did it. And I did cut down a little bit, but I wasn't by any means you know, like fixed or anything like that. But you know, I did put my energies into trying to run myself healthy. Did the half marathon straight back into old ways. Um, did that, then decided to do October. Failed at that. And at this point, they really, you know, I I was I was really struggling. I knew that something had to change. I'd read books that kind of said, you know, the only way to do this is to, is to just stop completely. And I just, I didn't want to, if I'm honest, I kind of wanted not to be an alcoholic, but I also wanted to drink and, you know, I wanted to find that magic spot that doesn't exist. Where you could moderate. Yeah. You know, I've learned now that that is just so not an option for me. So I thought I could moderate. I thought I could drink like, you know, normies, No, I don't have a problem. I don't want anyone else to know. So, you know, if we went to a social event, I'd drink because I didn't want anyone to know that I couldn't. So that happened. And then we're moving on to lockdown. So, COVID happens. And I think, in a really weird way, I will be forever grateful for lockdown because my. I think my drinking was definitely going in a direction. And because I didn't have to drive, I didn't have to go anywhere. There was nothing to do. And I spent two months blackout drunk from dawn till dusk. It was wake up drunk, feel like crap, drink, fuck it. I feel like shit, fuck it, drink. I've got, you know, I need to do this, fuck it, drink um i've got you know rob's gonna find you know husband's gonna find out i'm drinking fuck it, drink it went on and on and on it was just every little thing and you know i'm an alcoholic do you know what fuck it i'm gonna drink so it just spiraled i was waking up drinking neat gin before my cup of tea at seven o'clock in the morning i was the, the 30 bottles of gin they went i was then going to sit they fill, i filled them up with water so they looked 30, like gin. thirty bottles 30 bottles wow. I was doing seven a week of gin so it's a bottle of spirits a day pretty much and it was expensive so I was having to go I was having to wait for my husband to go out take the empties leave the empties full of water go to the supermarket usually about four different supermarkets and go to one buy two bottles go to another buy two bottles go to another buy two bottles um, and I'd make jokes like, "Oh yeah, we're doing a blind gin tasting," um, you know. Oh, you know, lockdown supplies. You know, making a bit of a joke out of it. Um, but usually, always still drunk or hungover from the day before. And then it was panic stations. Get this stuff to the to the to home. Empty the water. Fill it with gin. Put the bottles back where they where they were. Then leg it to the then get the bottles either hide them somewhere I came, became very ingenious at hiding bottles and um, hide them somewhere or take them straight to the um straight to the recycling and then get back before anybody realized I'd gone so there was like and sigh deep breath um I've done it it's done and it like every time it was like that's the last time I'm going to do that and it never was so I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of pounds I spent doing that but it was you know, colossal and it was stressful, you know, in my house at one point, I think there were 30 bottles of stuff empties. Um, it was really, really stressful because, you know, what if he went downstairs and saw my stash? What if he did this and saw my stash? What if he went under the bed, pulled out this thing under the bed and saw 13 bottles of gin? What if he went to my wardrobe and saw an open bottle of rum in the wardrobe? What if he actually wanted a gin and tonic and it's nothing but water? right it was you know it was really stressful and all this is going on during lockdown and you know I've become ingenious at lying and hiding and from that period every single morning he would wake up and he would say you were not cool yesterday which means you were blind drunk um and you know it was just getting worse and worse and worse and you know I was drunk for two months and you know I was am drinking p.m drinking afternoon drinking just any excuse I just spent the whole time drunk it was awful um I wasn't even I think I was trying to stop but not really I think in my head I was like fuck it (laughs) you know fuck it button just fuck it you know lockdown fuck it drink problem fuck it so I was just in this horrible well of nastiness and yeah then um then one day my had had probably another bottle of gin and my tongue felt weird and you know at this point i was also looking in the mirror to see when i was going yellow i was convinced that it wasn't an if it was a when you know you cannot drink you know seven bottles of spirits a week and not be undamaged but fib fuck it bun you know this is going to kill me fuck it (laughs) i don't care so i kind of sat there so called the doctors and this point i was listen to Catherine Gray I think it is and she said um you know b12 so I was like oh, I'll call the doctors get a b12 test and I um did mention this point and say I am drinking too much and I just went, okay right they weren't very nice about it they weren't supportive put it that way so they went right let's do bloods so off I went to doctors got bloods and um I remember getting a phone call completely out of the blue and the GP called me up and she said, yeah, you've got some abnormalities in your bloods. I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, your B12's fine, but you've got um, you've got you know, something to come back with your liver function test, we need to do more tests. And I was like, trying to get some answers out, but it, wasn't having any of it. And um, I remember that Catherine Gray had mentioned, you know, something called I Am Sober. It's like a, an app. So i was like right I, I need something so i called up aa and spoke to this lovely girl and she was really really helpful but I, I just needed to talk to somebody so i called up her and you know she sort of did the aa stuff not didn't particularly warm to it but you know she was really kind really lovely and sort of said you know you, you know you can turn this around and i was like yeah no worries so i kind of thought okay i can do this and i decided to kind of like download this counter wrap um IAS and unbeknownst to me there is this whole community in IAS so i got my blood results they were off the wall terrible um I was scared shitless um and I just kind of like down I did this app and it was like right this is great it counts excellent and then there's like community and I'm on day zero and there's all these other people that are on day zero like 400 people and I was like bloody hell <laughs> what the hell what's just going on I'm, I'm not the only one this is great <laughs> you know there's there's other people like me if for want of a better term so I was like oh my god this is kind of cool
0: so you're finding um, out you're not alone
1: yeah because before I I, I I kept it to me this was you know this is my problem I'm gonna fix it <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah and then suddenly there's like this whole community out there of you know Normal people that aren't living under bridges drinking tins of drinking tins of cider under a bridge, homeless with a dog, which is what everybody thinks you know you know they've got wives and husbands and families and jobs and you know they're 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 living they they're doing it and suddenly arose this whole group of people like me, and I started posting, so not just logging, I started posting, and I think the first time. I was so scared of those blood results. Um, I think I did two weeks to start with. And then then for reasons unknown, it was there. The gin shelf was still there. All the booze are still in the house. Day zero. Um, so and me and you came in,
0: basically found IAS around the same time, United.
1: Yeah, I think we're even on the same day.
0: Yeah. So um,
1: I wish it was where you were. Put it that way.
0: Well, you know, I had I had relapsed a couple of times too, in IAS. But I remember right away that you're on my like we call it sober squads, yeah. and so you get you get in there and and I'm the same way. I'm euphoric because, wow, look, there's all these other people, and they're like us, and yeah. it's really exciting, and so a real struggle began for you right here, didn't it?
1: Oh God. Yeah. It was, I think it was probably the worst part. I think when you kind of got a problem and you're living with it and it's okay, you're sort of not met you. You're, you're unhappy. Um, because you know, you've got a problem and you know, this problem isn't normal, but you're kind of unhappy, but you're living with it and you're coping with it. Um, And then I think the worst bit in the world is when you decide, you know, okay, yes, I have this problem. It's not going to fix itself. Um, I want to do something about it and I want to do something about it um, long term rather than I, I was playing at it, to be honest. You know, before I sort of really started logging on IAS, I was I was just playing at it. And this was my wake-up call to kind of go, do you know what? There's people in here that have done years, months, weeks. I want to be one of those people. And it was a really, really exciting time because I did three weeks, like two, just under three. I've got a thing about threes. I think it was just under three weeks I did. And it was really exciting. And then I had my first reset properly. And I remember just looking at the reset button, the zero, and going – I'm letting everybody down. I'm letting myself down. You know, do I have to press this button? And then a the bigger part of me is like, well, who are you lying to here? Because you know, these guys will still stick with you. They don't care. Yeah. You're only lying to yourself. And it's like, you know, if you're gonna do it, do it. So off I went, and I pressed that reset button, and you're back with loads of, load of people in day zero. And you know, the first three weeks you learn a lot. I mean. I had been drinking for three months, probably longer, trying to trying to cut down on the last month or so, but from March, April, May, I was pretty much blind drunk. And the first few times I tried to stop, oh my God, I felt terrible. I probably should have been in hospital. I was shaky. I was dizzy. I was feeling nauseated. From detoxing. I felt ill. Oh yeah, I was proper detoxing. I felt ill. I nearly went to hospital. Um, I like when I tried to stop before I had had a couple of seizures, and to me that was just kind of normal. So you know, you,
0: a couple of seizures was kind of normal.
1: Yeah, uh. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was just, <laughs> I just <it> was normal.
0: <laughs> that's crazy, isn't How it? How
1: bad is that? Uh. <laughs> you can feel so, them come. I even got I even kind of like learned that if you felt one coming on, if you kind of like kicked your legs and wiggled your arms, it would kind of stop.
0: <laughs> so you, so you you're just so uh, I love you so much. You felt these seizures coming on. And so you would even like get prep prep, prep your body by shaking your yeah. arms and legs yeah, 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 to get through them.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was, I was a professional alcoholic. <laughs> you <laughs> are.
0: Know? T you're just, you're adorable. I mean, this isn't really funny. <laughs> I mean, you're having frigging seizures.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was quite common. I remember the first time I got one, it was quite scary and um, I didn't realize what it was, um, it was kind of around the time where I realized I had a problem, <laughs> funny enough, um, so yeah, and it was just sort of normal to kind of like, sort of come to just before the alarm clock kind of thing, and you just sort of, you know, you just sort of go rigid, and your brain would stop, and it's only for a couple of seconds, I, I say this very lightly, but you know, it's only for a couple of seconds, but it's it's horrible, like really, really horrible, it's it, it, and this happened no when like you it. would
0: quit drinking, right?
1: It didn't really matter, um, which was the weird thing. So you know, sometimes after a big bender, I'd get one in the morning. It's never at night; it's always in the morning. But sometimes, in sometimes, I'd, after a big bender, like you know, one and a half bottles of gin or something like that, <laughs> um, I'd kind of get it in the morning. I get it waking up in the morning. So usually, probably about you know, as the alcohol's kind of you you're sobering up a little bit um but yeah, it became sort of quite a regular thing and I just sort of learned to learn to cope with it but they got when I quit first time with OAS, um it was they were terrible like really really bad frightening so um I think the first few the first time I quit with you drifter um I I didn't really sleep and you know I was you know, I've done loads of posts and IS about all the all the stuff about my bed, but I was scared of going to bed because you know when you're lying there, knowing that you've got a problem, trying to quit, you've got all those horrible dark thoughts going through your head. Bed is not a very nice place. It's 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 disturbing. And you're lying there next to the person that you love and you're awake at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. I well, get to what, bed at what nine What were
0: those thoughts? What kind of
1: it was self-loathing. Absolutely not a self-loathing. Um What is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why the fuck can I not stop drinking? What is wrong with me? How, and the biggest one was how the hell did I let myself get this way? Like, how did I end up here? How did I end up being an alcoholic that drinks the blackout, goes, you know, living like a zombie, you know, even when, before lockdown, before I was working, I was just going through the motions. There was no, it was, you know, life revolved around drinking. So when you're lying there, you're just questioning everything, going, why can't I do this? What is wrong with me? You know, today has to be the day. What can I change? What is going on? And it's you're just lying there with all these really negative, negative things. And,
0: and you're doing resets at this time, too, pretty much, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. So I do my three weeks and that's brilliant and a detox and I get out the other end of it. And for anybody that has to detox, you do come out at the end of it. It's about the first three days are horrific day four, oh my God, prepare for day four. It's a nasty one. And then it sort of gets better. And then two weeks all the alcohol has gone out your system and you start to kind of heal a little bit, but it is rough. It's, it's not fun. And then, and that first one, oh my God, because it had been so long since I've taken a break, it was absolutely horrific um it was just nasty and then do my three weeks get to almost three weeks and I don't know why I can't remember what happened I just probably walked past the gin shelf and thought gin simple back to day zero and then from that day on for a little while it was one day two day zero one day two day zero and I'm still not sleeping I'm hating myself all over again um why can't i do this you stupid bloody cow what is wrong with you you know why can't you do this you've got you know at this point you've got you know you've got a dog you've got the husband you've got the house you've got everything what is wrong with you you've got no reason to be an alcoholic you've got no reason to drink what are you running away from it's all you know i i, I was hating myself for doing it and yet i was not stopping doing it um so later I, all night
0: do the self loading. Yeah. And then that morning you would get up and um, yeah. you would just get triggered, walk by the gym yeah. and you just kind of yeah. get it past that gym then.
1: Nope, definitely not. Um, and then I lockdown down, finished and I went back to work and, you know, I did well. I then got three months. Um, and I remember during that period when I was logging, it was really positive. I, I was starting to sleep again. I didn't hate my bed. I didn't hate my phone because when I'm drunk, I text very nasty things and I call <laughs> people. And I don't remember it. So, you know, I, you know, I didn't hate my phone. I was looking forward to catching up with IAS guys. So it was like, yeah, I'll log into IAS, do my pledge. So, you know, phone wasn't scary. <laughs> so I wasn't terrified of looking at my phone and going, and life was getting call, better. Please. Yeah, it was getting really good. So yeah, like my phone, learned to like my bed. I didn't smell bad anymore. That was always a positive. <laughs> um, yeah, I could actually, I could actually hug people again without kind of my having a mint or a cheesy crisp. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it was really, really good. I was doing lots of positive things, and at this point as well, um, during this year with lockdown, I, I was doing my mountain rescue training. So in the autumn, it was kind of gearing up towards my final assessment. So, you know, I can't drink because I'm going to go on the call out list soon. So I need to kind of gear up for this. And I did my three months and we went on, we on holiday and we stopped past, stopped at mum and dad's. And I remember eyeing up a gym bottle and I was like, oh, hmm, forgot about you. And then I got home and I even said to my husband, I even said, watch out for me. Um, and I let that little evil bastard voice get me. Um, I didn't even try to be honest.
0: So those those three months, that little voice had kind of left you alone, hadn't it?
1: It's, it was a bit weird. So at the start, it was very much there. Um, very, very much there. It was, I was battling the voice the whole time, um, you know, I I was, I was drawing, I was drawing um, like stars on my arms. So like the North star. So it's kind of like drawing a little star on my wrist um, with the idea of, you know, don't lose your way. Don't lose your way. Look at your star. Don't lose your way. You don't want to go down that path. So, you know, if I was feeling a bit dodgy and the voice was kicking in, you know, I was, I was kind of look at the star and go, no, 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 no. Don't lose your way. Carry on. And, you know, I was battling the voice absolutely battling it it was you know it was there I was you know I, I don't know what I did but I just remember it was just awful you sort of just sitting there and you've got this it's there but it's not real and you know it's only in your head um, but it doesn't and, and you know everybody knows that nobody's putting a gun to your head and making you take that drink nobody it's absolutely voluntary. It's absolutely, my, it's my hand. It's my brain telling my hand to grab that bottle, take the lid off and put it to my mouth. That's my brain doing that.
0: And that, also voice, that
1: horrible little bastard voice. Not only
0: does it give you those thoughts, but it affects your emotions. Um, yeah. High anxiety. Just, I mean, it really, really, uh, it knows everything that's going on It's part of your mind. And yeah. it just, it just triggers everything and it's hard to really just people say sit in it what the hell does that mean because when you sit in that shit <laughs> you ever see that where people well, just sit in it are you freaking kidding me because that thing oh right, right, right way
1: <laughs> right
0: so you battled the voice in the beginning but someone that 90 days all of a sudden it just stopped
1: it did it was it was everyone else talks about this kind of your brain your subconscious and your conscience kind of meet a point where they get on again so you know yes. my you know part of me wanted to drink part of me knew that drinking was a terrible idea and you know play it forward if I drank I would end up um on the floor uh, you know worst case scenario that first night that I drank after the three months um I woke up the next morning I had done everything possible that I had ever done drunk. Um, so I had, um, y- you know, I, my husband, basically, I passed out on the sofa. I was horrible to him. I'd been on the phone to somebody. I'd argued my sister, sent horrible texts, been mean to somebody who just lost somebody through COVID. Um, I threw up, wet myself, and I, ha- I woke up um, with no clothes in my bed, having been put to bed, and the husband was in the spare room.
0: All in one night
1: all in one night wow um so yeah everything it was a condensed version so you know that that little that little i did
0: that little voice in your head said i'm gonna get even with your ass (laughs) oh
1: yeah yeah you get that three months you're gonna take it now bitch (laughs) (laughs) right Yeah, but before that it was like I was playing it forward as going right you know what will happen if you have this drink you will end up in blackout having been a nasty person you will end up having to go back to the shops to replace the booze because you filled it with water you'll spend you'll lie you'll cheat you'll you'll lie about everything you know you know you'll break the breathalyzer again because I bought a breathalyzer to prove that I wasn't drinking so I sabotaged it because I wanted to drink <laughs> <laughs> of course so what do you do when you want to have a drink oh dear I'm so sorry dear the is broken again
0: so here it was you had gone three months you pushed stopped yeah. you were doing okay then that night you drank which means you pushed play again because when you yeah. drink that starts to loop all over again and then you had to fight your way out of that again didn't you
1: yeah so I think because I'd seen I view it, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of metaphor. So I kind of view it as my scrabble, um, my scrabble to get, you know, getting, breaking that first that first three weeks, the first time I did three weeks, getting out of the pit, up the ladder was hard work. It was like claw, crawling through tar to get out of there. And you can see the light, but you don't know what it's like. Um, and then you get to three weeks and it's kind of okay. But with that three months, I was kind of... It was getting easier. I was climbing up the ladder. You could see the light. I was learning to like myself again. I I knew that life without booze was good. I'd had a birthday and it was sober. Um, I'd had my husband's birthday, it was sober. I'd done things and, you know, succeeded. I, you know, it turns out that when you're not hung over every day, bloody hell, works a damn sight more fun, isn't it?
0: It is.
1: (laughs) So, you know, and being in private practice as well, it's a damn sight more lucrative, I tell you so you know who knew not taking days off sick like three times three times a month or something because you're too drunk which is what i was doing so you know i was taking about probably five days off a month because of hangovers or because i wanted to drink and not go to work so you know i having been in that wonderful place where i learned to like myself my my drinking the the voice that said drink and the voice that said don't drink kind of didn't talk to each other anymore the voice that said life is good don't drink was there i was listening it was singing along and i was going with it so it was you know it was positive and it was a good place and i was happy and i liked myself again which was wonderful because i hadn't liked myself for a very very long time and yeah then when you've been in that good place and the rug gets whipped out from under you and you're back at the bottom of the tar pit looking up at the sunlight going, how the fuck am I going to get to the top of that again? And, and doing was, everything
0: in one night that yeah. uh, would take you a year to do before.
1: Yeah. So it was, you know, it was probably the worst. It was probably in terms of my journey in alcoholism, that bit, I, I October because I knew how good it felt to not drink because all the people like yourself that I'd started up with, were having such good successes, it was, you know, I had IAS, I had people, you know, people were wonderful when you reset people like yourself, you know, they go, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You've done it before. You've got all this encouragement. And I just didn't seem to be able to do it. And I don't know what it was. I think the only I've been sober for six weeks and this time I've kind of learned from all my previous mistakes and I think looking back I was just I didn't want to put in the work I just wanted to be there I'm a right bugger for this you know because if I've done something you know I've run a half marathon I want to be able to run a half marathon again tomorrow but I haven't done the training so if I do it it's gonna go shit and I'm gonna hate it it's gonna be rubbish but I've done three months And I couldn't forget that. I kept thinking, no, you've done three months, but one day at a time, one day at a time. And I was like, fuck it, fuck it, button. I want to be three months. Fuck it, I'm not getting there, drink. And it was so infuriating watching people's success. And don't get me wrong, I was so happy for everybody doing so well. The good thing about IAS is, you know, you are genuinely pleased to see people succeed. It is the nicest feeling in the world. When you watch people's successes, you get this wonderful glow in your heart and you just want to virtually reach out and hug them it is wonderful. Um, you know you, you're not miserable because everybody else that succeeds you know you know, you're not jealous that they're succeeding, you're just miserable because what is wrong with me? why can't I get this back? and having been there and got it and then lost it again, oh God it was it was horrific. it was probably the darkest bit because it was within reach. I'd done it and I was more than cross at myself. I hated myself because I done it. I'd done all the worst bits. I've got past the three three days, three weeks. I was on the, you know, everything was starting to repair, all the damage that I'd done, and then I just went completely back to square one. Um, and you're
0: resetting every day, and oh, you're laying there I, at night, the self-loathing, yeah, and this yeah, is going on day, and the- so you're right back in the cycle.
1: Oh yeah, straight back to the square one. When I reset in, at the start, I didn't quite make it to October, when I reset like end of September, um, between then and when I got my sober date on the 28th of February, I reset over 70 times. Wow, <laughs> I went back and had a look, it was over, like over 70, 70 resets, Wow! 70 day zeros. Wow, so it, you know, and it was, it was and, not I, and fun. I watched it you was...
0: struggle, and we all watched you struggle.
1: <laughs> and you it had a lot, like like you a have a whole
0: friggin' army that's been supporting you too. <laughs>
1: For which I am eternally grateful, putting it mildly. But yeah, it was, you know, it was was like doing army crawls through mud and tar, like on your belly, hands and knees crawling with, you know, being pulled with, I don't know, 10 ton weights hanging onto your ankles and you're desperately trying to crawl forward, make progress. And you just keep getting pulled back into this pit of despair. You know, I've now called my, I've now called the drinking voice the Dementor because... It's, you know, it's dark and its whole purpose is to just suck your soul out and make you miserable. You know, that's the purpose of dementia, to just basically, if you let that thing take hold, then all that happens is that you end up in this pit of misery because it just sucks your soul out, changes you, makes everything around you dark, despairing, unhappy. And, you know, it it, it definitely had its grip on me.
0: Dementor could not be a better um, way to describe that voice because that's mm. an alcohol, because that's exactly what it does.
1: Yeah. The whole purpose of it is to just take away all your happiness and make you miserable and wallow in your deepest, darkest, most dangerous thoughts and keep you there. You know, it's a uh, dementors basically guard a prison and they definitely were guarding, they were keeping me in my prison essentially i know it's a you know if you don't like harry potter ignore it but for me it's a metaphor that works um but yeah i, I knew that you know i was desperately trying to get away from it but i wasn't really doing anything
0: and you're a prisoner and, in your own friggin mind
1: oh Isn't completely locked yeah. in locked in yeah i was absolutely you know i, I knew that i wanted a new and at this point i kind of knew that i needed to get out <laughs> i just i didn't have the right keys So I was sort of locked in this prison and all the dark thoughts are coming back. Lockdown in November comes, I don't work. Um, Of course, back to to daily drinking and all the rest of it for us in the UK. Um, And then I kind of tried to make another stab at it, get three weeks around December time, do a lot of January and then February, it just goes absolutely down the pot. I am back to absolute zero. Um, am I working? Yeah, I think I'm working, but I, I am not in a good place. And, you know, the, the nights are bad. The phone is bad. I'm not liking myself. And I am getting to the point where I'm done trying. I, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And... it's scary because I was genuinely, and I I don't want to kill myself. Don't get me wrong. I have never taken it. I have never sat there and planned a suicide or anything like that. It would never happen, but I was getting to this place where I was just so sick of trying and failing. I had all the support and everything like that. And I was still on IAS. I was honest. I was still saying day zero. Here I am again. What is wrong with me? I was just, repeat, 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 you know, day three days, it would go fantastic, day zero, four days, it would go fantastic. And I was just, I was rotten, absolutely rotten. I was tired, I was sick, I was emotionally done and I kind of wanted to turn yellow because if I turned yellow, I would have an excuse to stop. If I turned yellow or, you know, you know if I drank enough, I wouldn't have to try anymore. I know that sounds awful, but it was. I was just trying and getting nowhere, and trying and getting nowhere, and you know, listening to we got like it, on everyone on IAS, it was just fantastic. It was like you know, just keep going, just keep going, and I kept going and going and going and going, and I just was making no progress whatsoever. But I kept doing it. <laughs> I just kept on trying. You did.
0: You're a freaking warrior. <laughs>
1: And um, this lovely, um, you know, lovely, you know, the the everybody nobody says anything but nice things in IAS. Um sometimes people say some truths, um, which you need, but you know, most of the time it's just, you know, positive stuff. And I kind of got invited into like um a ladies, um a ladies support group type thing, um, with a lovely lady in IAS called Polly. And you know, she sort of said, you know, check your email, check, you know, what's your email? I've got a gift for you. And it took me a week to open on that email. Cause I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> what the hell is this? Um, and I was scared because it might mean really having to do something about it. So, you know, open the email. So and I you wanted to do
0: something about it but you didn't want to do something about it.
1: Yeah. 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 I kind of, I, w- I was, I was just pressing the fuck it button all the time. It was like, well, I can't do this. Fuck it. <laughs> just fuck it. I can't do it. I, I can't do this anymore. Um, I don't know where to go. I've, you know, I've tried quitlet I've tried reaching out. I've tried not moderation. I've tried breathalyzers. I've tried counselors. I've tried two counselors and um, I've tried what else I try. You name it. I did it you know and it just wasn't getting anywhere um and you know i had the, the lovely community on ias and then this email came through and eventually i just kind of thought that ah, screw it i'm just gonna have to see what this is all about and it was an invite to um a group of ladies that were all chatting on chatting on this thing so i was like well okay so off i went and you know it was nothing but lovely so it was it was another thing and you know, I had a couple of day zeros and they were just, you know, don't worry about it, you know. just So, you're in this up. group
0: now, and, it, and it's yeah, a mess- so I've now a got messenger. two, so
1: now what, yeah, so now I've now got two things going on. So, I've got IAS from the pledges and logging and community, and then I've now got this kind of a bit more personal side of things as well. So, you know, because you guys people, got you know, voice
0: you know, texting and you have other yeah. ways to communicate,
1: yeah. So, you've now got this kind of like lovely group of ladies checking in. And I think I was on there for about a week and I had a load of resets. And then I'm, I had, at this point, I am getting, I think this is the final wind down. And at this point, I have actually told a friend that I have a problem. Um, two friends, in fact. So I'm kind of feeling a little bit stronger and a bit more... Ownership of the problem, I think. Sure. So, kind of taking ownership and going, Do you know what? This isn't, you know, nothing's worked. What what can I do? So, I eventually started, you know, I told a very good friend who's a nurse and sort of, you know, told her about it. And she was nothing but lovely. You know, she's a friend. Why wouldn't she be? (laughs) But I was shit scared, absolutely terrified of what she was going to say. So, told her. And, you know, then this thing, you know, then this group of ladies. So, you know, I'm starting to open up a little bit. And, you know, obviously I do an IAS, but it's time to open up a little bit and, you know, allow people in. And, you know, they'd been round. Her husband had mentioned something about my drinking and they came over and there was nothing in the house. So by this point, there is no booze. Um, my other half has taken all the gin out. They've taken our gin so they keep it at their house so they can enjoy gin together and I can watch, which is fine now. Um, the wines all gone, the gins all gone, the rums all gone. There is there is some very very fancy bottles of wine in our house, but I would never dream of drinking them. Um, but all, everything we've got now it's a dry house, and there's this Sunday, and I don't know why I just thought I just need something, and I drank hand sanitizer. So hand they're sanitizer. over. Hand sanitizer, seventy percent hand sanitizer liquid form, rough.
0: Rubbing alcohol. It was the
1: only thing in the house. So I, I I, got a little bit drunk, but felt a bit weird with it. Um, and I didn't want it, which was the really weird thing. I just didn't want it, but felt I needed it. So had that. And then the following day, I woke up and I genuinely thought I was going to die. Like, there's no exaggeration. I felt so terrible. I actually thought I'd poisoned myself properly. Um, I went to work, cancelled the day, lay on my treatment table and the day just flew by. Before I knew it, it was six o'clock and time to go home. And I had done nothing but lie there trying to drink water, not able to keep it down and, and just feeling absolutely terrible. The following, I didn't tell the girls. I told them the following day and I told them what I'd done and that I'd reset again. And um, lovely lass, I must, sends me a private message and said, here's my number, call me and didn't know what i was going to say but i was just sobbing my heart out i don't know what i said i don't know what she said um but she reached out and i kind of you know i cried my eyes out told her what i'd done told her how i was feeling and she was nothing but supportive and i kind of i don't know something just clicked i was like well she's done it she's been where i am she's you know maybe not drank hand sanitizer i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> <laughs> right but,
0: <laughs> but she's, <laughs> been, she's been in those trenches
1: yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's somebody who's like yourself, you know, but it was just that human contact, a voice. At the you know, at this point we weren't we were just texting, so it was you know, on the non-voicemail thing. And it, you know, it was a voice, it was someone who understood and they'd you know, I don't know why it was so different, but it was and something clicked and you know, since then it's been after that day, um, my voice has been absent. I don't know why. I don't know what's changed. I think part of it is I have, I, I've desperately tried to be prepared for the voice more than anything. So I've tried learning from the past. I've learned that I have a problem with the threes, um, three days, three weeks, three months. Each one of those, I fail magnificently. So I then, you know, get my sober, sober bazooka out get ready for the dementia. And, and, you know, watch out for those threes. I am very aware that, you know, I am a fuck it button girl. You know, I have to be really careful of that. And that's never going to go away.
0: So, you know, know, there's just something about what happened there with I must that I think is really cool because you probably just got really honest right there with someone else and yourself. Didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. I don't know. I honestly can't remember. I was too busy crying my eyes out to be honest. <laughs> this poor girl. <laughs> but yeah, she just. I don't know. But, but yeah, after that, it was just. And I, I really then realized that if I want to do this, I think she might have said something that made me think this. But she said something, and it changed. She must have said something. But you know, I suddenly realized that if I want to do this, there is no magic button. There is no quick fix. I did not end up in this problem, problem overnight. It was a long, slow burn on a very rapid, slippy slope at the end. But it was a long process, and you don't just fix it. You know, I kept it looking for out outside. It started
0: out at three years old to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there is no quick fix. There is no magic button. It's you know, if, if I want to do this, only I can do it, and. You know, there, oh, what was I trying to say? But yeah, basically, I mean, I can do it, but I need help.
0: <laughs> you talked about Imos, you've had that thing that clicked. So how's it been going now since then?
1: I think I would say, um, like I said, so this is just coming for six weeks. So I am very, very aware that six weeks is still baby steps. Um, in terms of where I want to be, um, but the recovery this time, I think, was a darn sight easier than the previous times. Um, like I say, that that addict voice, that you know, that pull to take a bottle, um, hasn't been there. And it might be because my wonderful husband removed all the booze, so that constant, you know, tick 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 tick, it's there, it's there, it's there. There's no willpower because there's nothing to drink. Um, you know, that's made it 10 times easier. Um, but it's been, it's been, you know, I think part of it, it being easy is I feel hyper prepared. And I, I kind of think that I've got a few more arrows in my quiver um, in my battle against it, really. So, you know, if I want to take that dementia, out, I've got a few more arrows, I've got IAS, I've now got a wonderful community and you know part of it is giving back so if someone's you know we've did this thing with with voice messages so you sort of leave lovely voice messages and you know they can be happy woohoo six weeks type ones or they can be I'm having a really shitty day ones yeah (laughs) so you know there's this wonderful community and I put there was early weeks I put everything into staying connected you know that made a massive difference for me IAS do my pledges, logging in, I've got, um, I like doing this thing with bricks. So I can put a brick every day. And it allows me to kind of build a wall to block alcohol out my life. And I can see it getting bigger and bigger. And I need that kind of mental stimulation and that positive thing to watch this thing grow. Um, it's not for everybody, but it works for me. So right. you know, I've got my bricks, I've got IAS, I've got the community in IAS and all the positivity that comes with that. Um, And then I've got all the wonderful ladies. So, you know, you can just, you know, if you're having a crappy day, you just say like a little short thing. And all these people going, don't worry about it. And then everything's positive. So, um, I kind of feel a bit sorry for my other half, if I'm honest, because I am prioritizing my sobriety. Um, it's got to come first. And, you know there are certain things that i maybe are not doing so much you know the pubs are opening yesterday i don't want to go to a pub (laughs) he he doesn't either that's not the point but if i got invited i wouldn't go um i wouldn't be dangerous territory yeah you know it's there i live in a village that i can walk to the pub so you know there would be a huge temptation for me if somebody came over for dinner and it's like go to the pub it'd be really easy to just kind of have a quiet glass of wine go to the toilet drink it knock it back on the bar nobody will know so I don't want to do that and and this time as well I've told people um you know I kind of realized that um by telling IAS you know this is a you know I kept it secret for so long um you know, I had this horrible, gnawing, deep, dark, dirty secret, and it felt like a dirty secret that I didn't want anybody to know because being labeled as somebody with a drinking problem is, you know, it's got a lot of stigma around it. You know, if you've got a heroin addiction, everyone kind of it's a similar kind of thing. There's this whole, well, you must be a dirty junkie then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't think about you don't think about a banker doing heroin, you think about a dirty junkie. And it's the same with alcoholism. You don't think about, you know, I'm going to call myself nice here. I'm told I'm nice, and um, you know, you don't think about a nice, ordinary, middle class girl becoming somebody with a drinking problem. You think about the tramp in the park.
0: You're highly. So it, there's educated. a lot of stigma. Um, you're married. You have a great life, and yeah. I think this is where one of the biggest um, problems we have around the world right now is that's where the problem is where everybody thinks everything is going it looks great on the outside jobs homes families but on the inside inside that house one of the spouses or maybe both are just slamming that alcohol living a secret yeah. life
1: and i never drank because i was unhappy i simply drank because it's what i did and it was there yeah which is probably the worst you know that's the most dangerous thing at least if you're trying to drink for a problem you can rectify it but if the if it's simply the mechanism is the alcohol's there i want it
0: t and you also now i think part of the tools in your toolbox is you have experience you yeah. have been in the trenches you know what it's to be like <laughs> on the front lines you've crawled through the foxholes from one foxhole to another You've yep. taken heavy artillery day after day after day, 70 days in a row at one point, right? Yep. I mean, hell, that's, I mean, that's just a lot to go through when you're trying to fight your way out. And yeah. even your last drunk or your last that relapse where you ended up um, doing everything in that one light, night, yep. those, right, that's probably going to benefit you down the road really because all you got to do is play that one movie forward um, when those urges come to get you. And, mm. and look at you now. I mean, I know. six weeks and you're coming out of it. And not only that, you're starting to, to give back and help other people get out of the trenches too.
1: Yeah, because I think you kind of, one thing that I've learned is that by, resetting and resetting and resetting you actually learn a lot about you know your addiction and your problems and you know you see people that you know you guys did it to me you could see me making the same mistakes over and over and over again and you know you want to reach out and help people and you know I think everybody who has done a stint of time looks on the people with the day zeros and you kind of just want to you know you want to give them a massive great big cyber hug and you're going to go. Do you know what? You never know. This might be your day zero, but if it isn't your day zero, then just keep trying because one day that day zero will be yours. Um, you know, I'm still very early on, but I, you know, this might not be my day zero. But but it you're not early on. The you, strongest.
0: You've fought your ass off to be where you are now, so it's not really <laughs> early on. And you know what? There's a lot of stigma that you see like on IAS. People are like, um, oh, I reset. I'm at day zero. And they go into that self-loathing mode.
1: Mm, um, done that.
0: Right. But everybody outside looking in, nobody's judging anybody for being there. No. It, our hearts are open saying we want to help you out of that box hole and come come back here behind the lines and have a break, you know? Yeah there's a lot of love there isn't there
1: oh so much love it, it's you know you get the occasional dickhead in there but sure sure <laughs> the, uh, but or for human. the most part yeah exactly and you know for the most part all you want to do um is just help people um you know you you want help as well um but for the most part you just want to help people you know you can see somebody making the mistakes that i made and you just want to you know you want to the reason that I sometimes post on day zero is because you have a bit of an epiphany about something that happened to you. And you think, well, if I think this, maybe this might connect with somebody on that level that's having a shit day and they might need, you know, this might help them, you know, see something on that day zero, that day one, that they kind of go, oh, do you know what? That's absolutely right. <laughs> and if you can just give somebody that little bit back to take a bit, you know, when did I start June? So, you know, 10, 10 months of trying. With months. a couple of with some stints under my belt. And, and you know, you learn a lot in that 10 months. So although it's only six weeks, I've been desperately clawing back my life for nearly 10 months. So,
0: so let's it, it, talk about your life right now. You have your practice, right?
1: Yes, I have my practice. Practice is going very well. Every time I don't drink, I make a lot more money because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> right. taking days of six. So and I'm cousin- not so I'm a I'm a better osteopath. I'm present. I answer the phone. I reply to my patients. I do longer days because I don't want to finish early to go back and hit the bottle. I can do earlier mornings because I'm not hungover and tired or I've been awake since 11 o'clock the night before. And, um, you know, I'm better at my job. Um, uh, you know, I'm more accountable. I'm, you know, I've done my taxes for this year. It's, it's April. <laughs> I've done them through till next year. I'm sorted as opposed to, you know, day before desperate trying to do my accounts. So I'm more productive. Um, I passed my trainee assessment in December to be in mountain rescue. So congratulations now in mountain rescue. Thank you very much. Nothing like being awake from seven. When did it start? It was seven o'clock at night until three o'clock in the afternoon with no breaks, Wow! <laughs> lots of scenarios. So it was, it was full on. So a year of training, a, a massive assessment and then you're on the call out list. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the call out list. So I go help people and I'm sober. So and if the phone rings,
0: people. you can answer it.
1: Yeah. So when the buzzer goes, you know, we've had um, occasions at, We've had some midnight ones. So there's been a couple of occasions where the buzz has gone off at two o'clock in the morning and I haven't been drinking. I am not drunk. I I, I can genuinely go, yes, I can go and I can go. I can drive. It's fine. <laughs> um and yeah, so you know, I can be an active member of the team. And you know, th- there's been a couple of Zoom sessions. Um, we do Zoom training and do Zoom socials because we're still in lockdown. And there's been a couple of sessions where I've been absolutely stone cold sober. Well, happy sober, I call it. So sunshine sober. And, you know, they've all had the beers and been drinking on the, like in, on the zoom call and I've just had tea and they've accused me of being absolutely wasted because I'm <laughs> giddy. And they're like, I'm like, no, I, I don't drink. And then, you know, the awkward question of, you know, why? Why don't you drink? It's like, oh, I just decided it wasn't for me. I'm not ready to kind of tell them that. <laughs> but yeah, I just decided it wasn't for me one day. So you know, d- that helps. So you know, I've um, what else? So yeah, getting back into you know, I didn't exercise for ages because I was too busy being hungover or drunk and with a massive, great big fatty liver and all the stuff that alcohol takes from your system. Exercise isn't fun, so I'm getting back into getting back into my running again. Work's going well, My Mat- and Rescue's going well, my marriage is better. I can actually hug my husbands in the morning. Husbands? Singular. Husband. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got one. <laughs> Anyone? one. Um, that's that's bad enough. <laughs> I didn't
0: know they had polygamy over there.
1: <laughs> oh, gee, gee, rife. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so um, yeah, I can actually kind of you know get you know go for a cuddle in the morning because I haven't got stinking wine breath. My body doesn't stink of alcohol, so you know I can go in for a quick cuddle in the morning and get up you know without avoiding it like I have done, and for that simple I stink reason. So yeah, that's all good.
0: And Um, I look at you, and you're like glowing, and this is a part of your life (laughs) now. I mean, and you probably wear this. You're you're wearing your sobriety yeah, and Um, people don't know what it is and they're probably even patients and whoever, why is she glowing like that? You know, and they have no idea (laughs) where you've been through these last 10 months, you know, or the last couple of years.
1: But yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm slowly allowing people into, into my real world. So I was too scared to tell my parents. So I sent them an email um and they bloody well knew you know they they're not they're they're educated clever people who know me they brought me up of course they know me of course they knew that I had a drinking problem they're not stupid right um but you know I just didn't feel ready to to tell them so eventually I told them in an email um this is a bit of a breakthrough as well It was about two weeks in I think and you know I kind of gave them some terms so I sort of said you know you're intelligent you know what's going on with me um I hope this will come as no surprise they probably thought it's time I was pregnant or something like that you know (laughs) so so, you know you know me so I kind of just like broke it gently and me being me I kind of didn't want to say I'm an alcoholic so I sort of nicked a bit of um Catherine Gray and said yeah I just like to tell you that I don't have a drinking problem I'm fucking awesome at drinking (laughs) right. <laughs> wow. I have is yeah oh I was you know gold star gold medalist all the way professional alcoholic and yeah I don't have a problem drinking I'm a bloody awesome drinker I'm great at it I've got a serious stopping button yes. um and just kind of went on to say you know the best the the own the, the way that will make me happiest in the future is for me to just put alcohol out of my life and I am happy for other people to drink around me I you know, I can cope with that. I don't want it. Um, so yeah, please just be normal and I will bring up this subject on my own terms because what I don't want to happen is get blindsided. I've learned that you know when people suddenly ask me out of the blue, Oh, how's your how's your cyber life going? I get a bit, whoa, hang on a minute. Right. <laughs> I kinda of want to I kind of want to drip feed a little bit rather than sort of bulldoze. <laughs> so
0: yeah, you know, and they us be really bulldoze- respectful. It's that vulnerability thing.
1: Yeah, and, and absolutely. I
0: know that you, because when we're on our mess, we have to deal with that vulnerability and that could be a trigger on its own. I know that mm. in my sobriety already, I've been nailed with the vulnerability opening up about shit and I wasn't expecting it. I do now though. Um, but where it just put me to where I spent two days breathing one breath at a time. It was so bad. Mm. But we can do it now.
1: That's just it. And you have to, it's, when you kind of break out your shell or your chrysalis, you know, you've been, you know, you've been wrapped up in your prison for so damn long um, and desperate to kind of take that first breath of a new life. And this time, rather than be scared of it, rather than feel ashamed of it, rather than, you know trying to keep it under the rug and make it my problem i'm i feel i'm kind of living it i feel better i'm 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 not hiding it yet i'm, I'm hiding it to some but i just kind of feel like this but time i have it. shed alcohol yeah i i don't it's not a part of me anymore and i don't what's the best way to describe this it doesn't i don't want it in my life, out of choice, rather than allow it in, it's like I, I just don't want it anymore. Well, I, I just I'm get this—I
0: get this uh, idea that when you think of alcohol, you see Dementor, and you don't. Yeah. Want, oh God, yeah. You don't want Dementor in your life.
1: No, and I see, I see. When I see, a, when I think of alcohol, I just think of how dark those nights were, how much I hated myself how I was hurting everybody around me with that horrible, vicious viper tongue, Mr. Hyde. You know, that is not me. And, you know, that demented prison just is a cage and a, like I said, you know, that fuck it button, it's a nuclear bomb that will just destroy everything I have worked so hard to get. Yes. So, you know, anything that I do with the booze, I have crawled through shit and nails to get here. And anything that I do is just not worth going through that again. No. So it's just, it just ain't worth it. I've come so far to get here and I don't want to go back there. I don't want to be in that horrible Dementor prison. I, you know, I view, if I have one sip, I view it like a caged beast. You know, I am made up of the fuck it button, Um, a Dementor and a caged rabid beast and if i take one sip of anything that beast is released and there ain't no coming back
0: yeah because right now you have all those things locked up back in their cages Mm. and so the dementors locked up in his cage everything's paused right now you Mm. take one drink one sip you just unlock that cage
1: yep i'm back in prison
0: Yep. You let them out of prison and put yourself back yep. in. And now they're the yep. warden.
1: Yeah. Just one sip of any of that lot, and the whole lot comes crashing down. And I am back where I started in hell, quite frankly, in that horrible, lonely place. Um, you know, just desperately trying to crawl myself back out of it. You know, self loathing,
0: drinking yep. hand sanitizer, the whole nine <laughs> yards. I mean, you've. Yep. Man, see, that's why I want to get you on here so bad to you, because I've, I've watched you in those trenches. And I'm just like, and you just kept coming back and you kept coming back. And you're, it's just like you. I must knew me. There's so many of you that just never gave up. And then you've just broken loose. And now it's mm-hmm. just like, all. there's so many amazing people like you right now. That you're living alive. life. And it's yeah. new and it's exciting.
1: Yeah. And there's, you've got so much more time because, you know, you don't, you just got so much more time because you're not drunk and you have to learn what to do with that time as well. Because, you know, suddenly you got weekends. Well, you know, I used to be drunk all weekends, So what do I do now? You know, you have all the, you have to learn to live again. You know, it's taken so much from you. You suddenly have to learn what to do with your time. You've got to kind of, learn how to deal with emotions and bloody hell is that hard because you know somebody pisses me off fuck it drink oh I'm having such a shit day fuck it drink you know suddenly you have to kind of be a grown-up again and you've got to kind of go do you know what they really peed me off is it the end of the world give me five minutes and I'll probably have a cup of tea and feel differently about it
0: and not only that with yourself I mean yeah you're sitting in your own skin right now
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's bits of me, I think, like everybody, when you learn to see yourself again, there's, there's a spectrum, there's bits of yourself, you think, I'm not sure about that bit. And there's other bits we go, do you know what, I rock. Yeah, right. You know, so you have to kind of, we're not made up of one colour, we're all made up of, we're all, we're all a rainbow of every colour there is. You know, we're not all black and white, we've all got the light and the darkness, and we've all got multicoloured stuff. And, you know, and you do not live life happy all the time and when you have a shit day one thing I realized was you know because I've done a lot of you know as an osteopath we're taught to do this thing called reflective practice which is where you know I did something it didn't go well what can I learn from this experience and how would I do it differently next time you just some kind of you would not you don't with that logic I might be a little bit further down the path but hey ho and so i've been i've been kind of thinking about that
0: that's what is so crazy you have all this training all this education yeah yep. and it was still kicking your ass but now you can actually use everything that you've learned all this training
1: yep.
0: and that's exciting too because now you really get to use this training that you have
1: yeah so i'm kind of looking back at all the stuff i used to do and i'm learning from it and you know one one big thing is I'm learning to kind of take the day I'm given. And, you know, if you wake up and you're having an absolutely wanky day, it is shit. You feel like crap. Your emotions are everywhere. Um, You know, what I've learned with me, and this is just me, it might not be everybody, I've learned to just kind of roll with it. And, you know, if you're having a shit day, you having a shit day. Not a lot is going to change that. But the really bloody awesome thing is that tomorrow is going to be a different day. Yes. Tomorrow you wake, you might, you may wake up feeling a thousand times better. The day, you know, the reality is you might not feel, you may feel worse. But the chances are, when you're having a really rollicky day, tomorrow is a whole new ball game. So just kind of get on with today, get it out the way, have a bath, go to bed, and tomorrow is different. But I've learned, I, I wasted a whole lot of energy. Um, trying to make a shitty day a good one and sometimes it's just wasted energy just kind of think about you know one day at a time and it's, day that's given. just
0: normal life yeah for people that don't it's even drink, we all have shitty days and uh, and just wake up sober and it's going to be okay
1: yeah and you just kind of do you kind of think do you know what and t- you know today is a win it's been a shit day but it's still a win and it might be a shit day for a myriad of reasons um you know someone might have pissed you off you might have burnt your dinner I don't know you know you might have a really bad day battling your dementia um but you just kind of you know it's crap what can I do just you know do everything I can make myself feel a bit better have a bath make another cup of tea wait five minutes for those thoughts to go away um because that's one thing that I found is if you're having a really bad five minutes go do something else. And five minutes later, you might feel differently. So Absolutely. you know, it's not just one day at a time. Everyone says when you, when you're getting into recovery, one day at a time, one day at a time, bollocks. Is it one day at a time? Absolute bollocks. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it it's a minute. It's sometimes it's, it's one, day. one
0: breath at a time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes you just have to get through five breaths, one breath, the yeah. next mouthful of your tea, you know, it's not one day at a time overall it is but you know for some people it's it's a minute it's a breath
0: i think one of the biggest things feeling. for you is you know how to you know what the dementor is the addict voice and you know how to deal with it now you've come you've confronted the dementor and like we were i mentioned earlier the wizard of oz he had that big microphone acting like he was <laughs> the big boys that control everything. And then you pull back the curtain and it's a little friggin' voice. And now, you know, that Dementor is just tiny and doesn't have yeah. all that control. You're you control your life and your thoughts and where you want to go, not the voice.
1: Yep. That's
0: I hope everybody sees this, uh, your, or here's listens to this T with your struggles and what you've been through. Cause you you've just been through a lot.
1: Well, if it helps one person, it's all been worth it, to be honest. You know, I'm, I like myself or not. I know that I will, I don't know if everybody realizes this, but, you know, for me, I know that my past and my problem, it'll never go away. It'll always be there somewhere. Um, and I just have to, you know, acknowledge that it's part of me and live with it. It's left a tattoo, you know it's left a little tattoo somewhere and it's just getting on with life and making the most of everyday sober and you know I'm learning to you know embrace my sober life and um, I've got loads of stuff to look forward to I'm 40 this year I'm telling people do not buy me booze I do not want it
0: oh, <laughs> it's right, no
1: longer right. part of my life <laughs> you know normally what you do in Britain is somebody turns you know big birthday buy them a bottle of champagne it's like that's a nice gesture,
0: so you're, you're being proactive in your sobriety.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I you know, and the more people I tell and the more kind of open I am with it, the better I feel. And the less, the smaller that dementia gets. He does. So, you know, the more I embrace this, me, you know, the book is, as far as I'm concerned, that chapter of my life is closed. You know, I am no longer a drinker. Um, You know, I can't moderate. I don't want to. Um, I just have to absolutely close the, close the book on it, draw a line under it. That part of my life is gone and I'm happy. You know, I, you know, I have lots to look forward to and it enables me to do a lot of stuff and, you know, And you're glowing. You just
0: glow right now too. You're just beautiful Um, and you're wearing it. I love it.
1: But, you know, it's not all going to be plain sailing. It isn't. No. Um, everybody always says. The, well, the getting, inventor, out, of the, the getting
0: out of the trenches is not smooth sailing. It's not. No. It, but right no. now, when when you do make that, when something clicks, even your worst day today is a thousand times better than your best drinking in the trenches. Uh, times a million. Yeah.
1: It's, it, you know, those, those bad, day, those good days, those bad, bad days drinking, and even the good days drinking, you know, this is, you know, even if you have a, a rubbish night's sleep or you're feeling a bit tired or, you know, you've done something daft, you still, you know, it, it's you, it's not that fake you, you know, you can hold your hand up and say, well, actually that was me rather than, oh shit, that was drunk, Mel. <laughs> But the trenches
0: it's hard getting out of the trenches it's hard getting out of that black hole but Mm. once you are on the other side and then you start seeing this shit for what it really is it's Mm. it's beautiful and it's not as it just is not as difficult it's a lot easier
1: once you like i say it's kind of like crawling out this horrible pit um in the dark And then once you're on the other side and you take that first proper breath, probably about, you know, for most people, I say the first big breath after you, probably about two weeks in, um, you take this huge big breath and you suddenly feel alive. The alcohol's out your system. Um, You know, you you don't have to worry about your phone. You don't have to worry about what dick you were. Um, You know, life is real. This is you. And that first breath just feels absolutely wonderful. And once you've had it, it just gets better and better and better. And, you know, you want, it's almost addictive. You can't want more of it.
0: You want more <laughs> in a, of
1: it. In a good way.
0: <laughs> and, and that's what that three months did for you. It drove you to want to yeah. have that again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I knew how good it could be. I knew how wonderful I felt. You know, I felt, uh, you know, I felt healthier. I, I felt like myself. I felt comfortable in my own skin. Um, I wasn't a liar I kind of view it a bit like you know a a a, a cockroach in a butterfly type thing you know you know I went from being this miserable little cockroach that everybody hates and you know being miserable and dark and all the rest of it and hiding in the shadows and then coming out at night so you know I kind of felt like these wonderful you know butterflies kind of going oh wonderful isn't life great (laughs) um then yeah so you're doing it
0: I'm proud yeah
1: and Uh, do you know what i never say this i'm proud of me too
0: yeah and say that and be proud of yourself and everybody that's coming out of the out of the trenches be proud of what you're doing because it's huge
1: absolutely
0: and um now we get to give back and that's what what this podcast is about too it's giving back Hmm. so now when other people they're going to hear you and your story and you're going to be giving back this way so i thank you for coming on here with us
1: no, absolutely. And I'll say to anybody listening, just keep going, you know, just, just keep going, keep trying. Because um, the only way you'll ever get your day zero is by keep going. It's the yes. only way you'll get there. You've just got to keep trying and keep going. And one day it'll click and you'll never know it. <laughs> it'll and just
0: there's happen. light at the top of that ladder.
1: And when you get to the top of the ladder, it's beautiful.
0: T, thank you very much. We're going to close here and then I'm going to get this uploaded. Let me just uh, thank you all for listening to the Sobertown podcast. Jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety and pour the poison down the sink. T, thank you so much for coming on. And we did it. And we're at the end of this. We thank did it. you. All right. <laughs> Finally.
1: Chun bye